Well, I want to welcome you to Genesis Church today. My name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor here. And if you've got a Bible with you, uh, we've been in a passage of Scripture out of 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, uh, verse 17. Uh, and we'll have these words for you on the screen, too. We'll get there in just a moment. But uh, we're in the final week of a series called The Secret to Being Rich. And you know that song uh, that our band just uh, led us in uh, gives us a little glimpse of what it means uh, for the people of God... Uh, people like you and me, to show God's love and the difference that it can make uh, wherever uh, we go. You know, and I, I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite things uh, about you. It's one of my favorite things about Genesis Church, uh, you know, showing that love and that example to others that are around us. I mean, I, I see that love in families, uh, like the one that uh, uh, I got to know that, that shared a portion of their Christmas bonus with a, a couple of single moms and their children in the community uh, this past Christmas. I I see that love in many of you when you serve here on the weekends, when you serve here on Sundays, and, uh, and for those of you who do something like come back on a Sunday night to help serve our growing Sunday night community here at Genesis Church. Um, I see that love at work, and I love when I see it in our connection groups. I heard about one of our groups that uh, just a few weeks ago went down to Wheeler Mission and spent the evening serving a meal uh, to a group of men uh, who were coming there, or the love in another one of our connection groups that recently took up the task of collecting underwear uh, for children in Haiti, and uh, you know something that maybe we would just take for granted, but even just a, a couple of pictures here to show you the excitement uh, and the enthusiasm. Uh, in those kids as they received uh, their underwear. And uh, well, if you're a parent, uh, you might be encouraged by this next picture too to know that it doesn't happen in just your home, all right? If you've got young children that, that even acts like these no, no boundaries, no physical boundaries. It just happens uh, all, all across the world. And, and speaking of Haiti too, uh, I want to let you know if you're, you don't realize this, we've got 19 people that are leaving next Saturday uh, with Genesis Church to go and serve for a week. Uh, I'm going to be a part of that team. We have some others here uh, from our Noblesville campus and many from our Carmel campus. And so I want to encourage you to pray for our team as we'll be gone February 16th through the 23rd, and uh, most of us are going to gather on Thursday night with our families. You're welcome to join us, too, over at our Carmel campus for a, a time of saying goodbye and packing, but also praying together uh, as we get ready uh, for that trip. So you can be praying for us February 16th uh, through 23rd. But I, wanna, I feel like it's always so important to remind you, to remind myself that you don't have to go to Haiti uh, to show Christ's love to others. Uh, to live out these good deeds uh, that we're going to talk about today. I mean, you can show that love and whatever you're doing, wherever God has you right now. And so we've been looking at a couple of verses uh, right out of the New Testament, uh, uh, this book of Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 6. And the Apostle Paul is the writer here, and he's writing to his apprentice, Timothy. And here's what he writes in verse 17. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, as we've looked at these words together, we've been reminding ourselves that we are the rich in this present world. That's, that's who Paul's talking about. I mean, it, and you might look at a word or words like these and think, you know, well, it doesn't feel like it, but we're rich. I mean, compared to most people in the world today, you're rich. I mean, think about it. Uh, we have access. 
uh, to almost anything we need. And most of the time, we don't have to worry if we're going to eat. It's where we're going to eat or what we're going to eat. And it's not if we have something to wear. It's what shoes, you know, go best, you know, with what I'm wanting to wear. I mean, whether you believe it or not, whether you choose to accept it or not, if you have a roof over your head, if you have food on the table, if you have a computer or two, or you are richer than 98, I am richer than 98% of the people on the planet. And not only are we rich in our material possessions uh, and things, but also more importantly, if you're a Christian, uh, you're rich in Christ, all right? And, and that changes so much for us, that we are rich in Christ. And so in 1 Timothy 6, Paul's writing to Christians, and look what God, through Paul, commands us to do. Verse 18, he says, I command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Paul shows us that the secret to being rich, the life that God has for you and me is a life where we are rich in generosity. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And the difference, your financial giving uh, through Genesis Church and other Christ-centered causes can make and have for God's kingdom. We talked about the importance of our uh, being rich in sharing. You know, we talked about that last week, that this type of living and sharing and compassion uh, in the church and amongst a community of believers is the kind of life that God has designed for us. And today we're looking at Paul's command to be rich in good deeds and the difference that your deeds and my deeds and your love uh, can have on others. And before we look at what Jesus has to say about our good deeds, I want to show you, I want to look briefly at one Old Testament example, and it's a story about a young boy, a young king by the name of Josiah. Now, the writers of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles record that Josiah became king at age 8, uh, began seeking the Lord at 16, rediscovered the Scriptures, and eventually brought spiritual renewal to the people of Judah, and he was a good king. And look at how the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah remembered him. Uh, Jeremiah 22, uh, the second half of verse 15 and into 16, uh, Jeremiah records, he says that he did, he's referring to Josiah, what is right and just, so all went well with him. Now look at verse 16, it says, he defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. And then we get this question, is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. You know, we're starting a brand new series here at Genesis uh, next week, a series called Follow Me, and I really believe it's going to be a great series uh, for our church and a great series for you, whether you've been around church, uh, faith uh, for a really long time, or maybe you're brand new to all of this, and so you're still learning and you're still asking questions and wondering what it's all about. And one of the things that we want to look at uh, during the next six weeks together is we really want to just ask the question of what does it mean to know God and to say that you're a Christian, or maybe more importantly, Importantly, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? And what's that look like in 2014? Well, here's what God tells Jeremiah that it means, or at least one thing that it means anyways. In verse 16, we discover that he, Josiah, defended the cause of the poor and the needy. And then there's the question, is that not what it means to know me, declares who? The Lord. And so here's what we see over and over again in the Bible. Like, good deeds and the good news go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And for example, even when recalling and describing the ministry of Jesus, Peter said this in Acts chapter 10, verse 36. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, 
Verse 37, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with, with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. See, to study the life and the ministry of Jesus is to see, to study a life that was committed to the good news and to the good deeds hand in hand, working powerfully together. Jesus loved God and he loved people, and we're commanded to do the same with all of our heart. Look at a couple other examples of this and Jesus' actions. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, uh, it says that Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the what? The good news, all right, the spoken word of the kingdom. But then it says, in healing every disease and sickness, we see the good deeds associated with him among the people. Verse, uh, or, um, skip over to Matthew 9, verse 35. Again, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news. Again, there's the spoken word of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Again, it's the good news. We see the good news spoken uh, by our Savior, and we see those same good deeds in action too. It's what he taught. It's what he modeled. It's his example. And he commissioned his disciples, his followers, to do the very same thing. I mean, when he sent them out, he gave them these instructions. Look at Luke 9, 2. It says, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. Again, there's the spoken word, the good news, and to heal the sick. Again, the command to do these actions, to do these good deeds. It's good news and the good deeds hand in hand, Jesus says, you've watched me. I've shown you what's most important. Now you go and do the same. And what did the early Christians do? I mean, what was the early church known for? They didn't have a building. Uh, they weren't organized. They weren't recognized by the government. I mean, for nearly three centuries, they remained mostly powerless, and they were persecuted, and they were tortured for their faith. But somehow their movement grew. And it just kept growing and growing, and their good deeds and their generosity and the power of the Spirit in them caused the world to stand up and take notice. And, and what gave them that leverage and what gave them that influence in the world? Well, so much of it was their compassion and their generosity and, again, the presence of the Spirit in them and their good deeds towards others. We looked at this passage last week out of Acts 2, uh, verses 46 and 47, when it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Uh, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and what? Enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That, I mean, this means that people outside of the faith looked at them and they saw their lives, and they saw the way they lived, and how they lived, and how they gave, and how they shared, and how they were rich in good deeds, and they liked them, and they looked favorably at them. You know, it was countercultural because up to this point in history, generosity in this particular culture was all about doing a favor for someone who was able to return and do a favor for you. All right, so it was a give and take sort of generosity, but Jesus walked into this culture, and he announced that his kingdom would be so different that his would be based on things like good deeds and generosity and, and, and the gospel. I mean, in Jesus' kingdom, people would give and not expect anything in return, and that's how Jesus' followers lived. And what difference did it make? 
Well, history records in about 165 A.D. and then later on around 260 A.D., uh, devastating plagues swept across Europe and, and in particular the Roman Empire. And those people who were healthy uh, during these plagues, they would often flee from the cities and they would go out into the country, but not the Christians. They stayed and they ministered to the sick and the dying, whether they were Christians or not. And uh, Dionysius, the Bishop of Alexandria, describes how Christians responded to the plague of 260 in particular. He writes this, he says, "'The most of our brethren were unsparing in their exceeding love and brotherly kindness. They held fast to each other and visited the sick fearlessly and ministered to them continually, serving them in Christ, and they died with them most joyfully, taking the affliction of others and drawing the sickness from their neighbors to themselves and willingly receiving their pains. And many who cared for the sick and gave strength to others died themselves, having transferred to themselves their death. See, even these early Christians, this early church they ministered to, and they showed hospitality toward the poor and, and to orphans and the elderly and the sick and mine workers and prisoners, and because of it, and throughout the years that followed, the church played a major role in community transformation and eventually reshaped the Roman Empire. See, I just want you to see that good deeds changed the world once. My question is, why couldn't it happen again? Why couldn't it happen again? I mean, why can't Christians, you know, the church and around the world and even Genesis Church have the same sort of influence today? I mean, think about it. I mean, what if the burdens of our, our neighbors and, and the people in our community around us, what if they became our burdens? I mean, what would it, what would it mean to hear things uh, from people outside of the church, maybe even people that hadn't come to the faith yet, and to hear them say things like, you know what, I don't get what you believe. I don't understand why you do what you do, but I'm sure glad to have you as my neighbor. I'm sure glad that, you, that you're in our community. I, I enjoy knowing that your church is right here in our community. And so the Apostle Paul says, I command you. He's speaking for the Lord. He says, I command you, do good, be rich in good deeds. He reminds us that our good deeds matter. And why do they matter? Well, I got five things for you. They're in your notes if you want to follow along. Why do they matter? The first thing is this, good deeds genuinely benefit others. They just do. Uh, Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people. Now, the Greek word here for opportunity is one that doesn't translate uh, into English very well. Uh, but this word for opportunities here describes what God does for us each day, that He strategically puts in front of us, He puts in front of us people and situations, uh, opportunities for you and me to respond to do good. And, and often He's just waiting to see if we'll respond, if we're willing to take the step. If we're willing to be these generous, sharing sort of people, it's about good deeds. It's about acts of love and mercy and compassion and justice for others. Or it looks like giving water to the thirsty and food to the hungry, uh, clothing to the cold, to uh, the elderly or to the lonely or to those who are sick and to those people, to those things that God deeply cares about. I mean, ministering and loving others is something the Lord requires whether people ever come to the faith or not. I mean, that's, that, that, that means that we don't love people in just simply hoping that they will one day walk into our church. Like, that's not the only motivation. But first and foremost, we love and we serve and we do these good deeds because we're followers of Jesus Christ. And those opportunities that he gives us, they come from God. 
John writes in uh, 1 John 3, 17 and 18, he says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, he says, do, let us not love with, with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. See, people are drawn to God, you know, by Christians who love and, and show kindness first. Your, your serving, your good deeds, your acts of kindness towards others may be the beginning of a person discovering a relationship with Jesus Christ. But let's not let that be our only motivation. Let's let, let's let our motivation be about living like Jesus and serving Him and loving God and loving others, becoming more and more like our Savior, our example, our teacher every single day. Another thing that our good deeds do, good deeds glorify God. I mean, good deeds magnify uh, the character of God. They point people to Him. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 16, He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I remember um, one time visiting Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. It's been a while, and uh, if you've ever been to Mammoth Cave before, uh, you know, they have these different kinds of tours. And, uh, and if you take the historical tour, uh, you end up in this giant uh, natural room in the cave. And, well, like any great cave tour, they turn off all the lights. And uh, so you find yourself uh, in this room. And in this particular room, I think it's something like 50 feet around approximately and, and 30 feet high. I mean, just, just massive. And anyways, they turn off all the lights and instantly it's pitch black. And while the tour guide continues to talk, what you're doing is you're trying to allow your eyes time to focus and put your finger up in front of your nose, and, and you can't even see that because it's so thick and it's so black. And, and what the tour guide did on this occasion, without any warning, is he finally lit one single match. It's just amazing that even when the darkness is so thick and great, that one match is enough light and it lights every wall of that particular room of the cave, illuminating every detail. And you know, in the same way that one light from a single match uh, can light a whole room, Jesus commands us to let our light and our good deeds shine for others. He, he wants what's going on in your life and what's going on in your heart to burst through in your actions and in your living and not for your credit or even for Genesis credit, but for His credit, because it's about His glory, and it's about making His name famous so others will see and know. The third thing is that good deeds validate the good news. Remember, good deeds and good news go hand in hand together. Um, as I mentioned last week, uh, Esperon Pierre is the founder and director of Nehemiah Vision Ministries in Haiti, the uh, team that we work with and that many of us will uh, work with next week. And Esperandu serves as a missionary in Haiti, uh, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But about 20 years ago, he realized the challenge of meeting the spiritual needs of the people without meeting the basic needs of life uh, for the people and for his neighbors too. And so NVM was born. And the purpose of NVM is to help children, and it's to help families, and to help communities meet the basic needs of life so that they might better share the gospel with them too. You know, see, one person uh, can do so much. Uh, you can be a part 
of doing so much with your light and with your actions and with your good deeds. Uh, I recall one person said that our good deeds are the proof side of the gospel, you know, the proof side of what's happening in my life and what it means to me and how rich it is for me and, and, it, and it could be for you too. I mean, if you, if you just go and spread the gospel in a place with great physical needs like in Haiti, you'll miss opportunities to meet people where they are. And at the same time, if you go and just do good, need, good deeds, I mean, without the good, do, good news, I, well, I think you're doing a disservice uh, to people too. I mean, I mean, you may have helped them for now, but there's, well, they're still on the wrong path uh, for eternity. And so here's the challenge that I see that we're up against today. Uh, we live in a day and an age where there are widely held interpretations of truth and the popular opinion is that there is no one prevailing truth. Now, for me, I believe in one truth, uh, and that is the gospel, uh, the power of Jesus Christ, that there is only one way to heaven, and that it is through faith in Jesus Christ. But what's the challenge? The challenge is that fewer and fewer people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, if you read the most recent reports and studies concerning the effectiveness of the church in America today, it's not very encouraging. And on the one hand, uh, you could step back or we could step back and say, well, we're right and everyone's wrong. Or you could take up the attitude and say, well, the world is just going to hell and that's just the way it is. But I wonder if we should be asking or if I should be asking, if the church should be asking, am I a part of the problem? Are we a part of the problem? Here's what I think. I'm all for right theology and biblical teaching. I'm not saying that should change. And I don't, certainly don't think there's anything wrong with the gospel message either. But what about this? What if the people around us today are looking for more than simply arguments for our faith? Maybe they aren't looking for a more compelling case to be made, but instead they want to see more proof of our faith. You know, they, they don't need one more Facebook post or angry tweet. They want to see our faith in action. They want a faith they can observe more than one that is simply argued or debated. I mean, what if your friend or what if your neighbor or your sister is looking for a faith worth giving their life to, and they want to see it in you first, that that might be everything they need. See, the way we live our lives, the good deeds we do can validate the good news we believe. The fourth thing is that good deeds move people towards Jesus. I mean, when people are served and loved and they see the good deeds, they are more willing to hear the good news that is behind it. You know, good deeds create curiosity and a desire to learn more and, uh, and to understand why we do the things that we do. As I mentioned earlier, there are several examples throughout history uh, where a particular plague or illness or sickness would, uh, would, would strike a city and the people of the city would flee. And uh, Andy Stanley tells the story in one of his books of one ancient city and a man by the name of Pacomius. Now, he was 20 years old uh, when the Romans took over the town of Thebes where he lived. And uh, history records that Pacomius' parents were both pagans, and he just simply considered this to be his lot in life. But when the Romans came to town, uh, the course of his life changed forever. And here's what happened. When, whenever the Romans would take over a particular community, they would capture and collect all of the young men and draft them forcefully uh, into the Roman army. And because the Roman generals knew that if these men could, that they would escape, uh, they locked them in prison. 
and they left them there until they could cart them off and train them to serve. Well, while Pacomius was in prison, a famine ravaged the area, and everyone in his particular prison began to starve, but as Pacomius documents, strangers began to show up at night and slip food between the bars. And uh, night after night, the strangers would come back, and each time they did, the prisoners, people like Pacomius, would inhale the food without asking any questions. And as a result, uh, Pacomius and his friends survived the horrible famine. Well, when it was over, uh, Pacomius began to ask questions, uh, questions like, who are these people, and where did they come from, and, and most of all, why in the world would they take time to feed us? Well, one day he discovered that the strangers were members of a group known as the Way, or the church, or these Christians. And uh, when Pacomius completed his obligations to the Roman infantry, he immediately sought out the Christians, and from there he learned about Jesus, and he learned about the resurrection. And Pacomius became a Christian and eventually a great leader in the church. He was later recognized Saint Pacomius, and his life-changing transformation all started with the good deeds and with the generosity that captured his heart. See, good deeds and generosity change the world once. Why can't it happen again? Why can't it happen in a place like Noblesville or Fishers or Westfield or Carmel or Anderson or Elwood, north side of Indianapolis, wherever it is that you live? If good deeds change the world once, why can't it happen again? I mean, what would, it ha what, what would happen if every person in our church, what if you and me took up the posture and example of Jesus Christ and we lived our lives committed to love and good deeds. See, the beautiful thing that I'm talking about today is not about doing one more thing. It's not about asking you to add one more thing to your busy and complicated schedule. Now, what I'm challenging you to do is about finding greater purpose in what you're already doing and where you're already living and where you're already serving. It's about the good deeds where you live. See, I believe that God has you on your street or in your neighborhood, um, with the people that around, are around you. He has you in your apartment complex or in your dorm or in your school, and he's got you there on purpose. And maybe he has you there for a short season. Maybe he has you there for a very long season. But as Paul records in Galatians, there are opportunities around us every single day to share the love of Christ through good deeds and through our words and through examples and whatever we do. And so I want to challenge you with that today to just simply think and pray about the opportunity that you have wherever you live right now to be a great and wonderful model and example of Jesus Christ and his love in you and how that love and that light bursts through in everything that you do. What would it mean for you to walk away from here today with the challenge to pray for every person on your street? Uh, maybe it's too large. And so maybe you just kind of identify six or seven or eight houses around you and you say, you know what, I'm going to pray for each of these homes. I'm going to pray for the people of these homes and make it a task throughout the next year to just say, you know what, if I don't know the name of every single person in the homes of those people around me, that's my goal is to get to know them and to be available to them. And on a day like today, if you've got a snowblower, maybe part of those good deeds means sharing your snowblower with others. I wish my neighbors would share their snowblower with me. Uh, but to share your snowblower with others, or if you're out with your kids shoveling, that's how we do it at our home. You live in our house, you help shovel. We got enough shovels. But, you know, instead of just shoveling your driveway, maybe you reach out and you shovel a neighbor's driveway. Again, it's just about building relationships with them. It's about these good deeds that maybe give you an opportunity to eventually share the good news, but don't do it without praying for them. 
and really asking the Lord to open doors and to do great things that we can't do on our own, but we just make ourselves available to serve. And you can do that if you live in a house, whether you rent it or own it, you can do that in your apartment. What if you made it a goal on your floor to just get to know every person in every unit on the floor that you live on, your particular apartment? And just ask God to open you up to opportunities and possibilities to serve and to love and to be available and to extend these good deeds for the sake of maybe one day being able to share your story of what Jesus Christ is doing in your life and what it might mean for someone else too. You can do that where you work. Uh, You know, what if you just kind of made it your habit every day on your way to work to pray and ask God to give you a greater purpose in wherever he has you working right now, in your school, the classes that you're in, the people that are around you, the people that are on your team, you know, even in those places where you're volunteering or serving right now, to be ready and to be available. If you're coaching your kid's team, that you go to that game or you go to that practice ready to serve and to reach out to those kids and to get to know their parents. But we just make ourselves available as followers of Jesus Christ to show these good deeds, to show the work that God is doing in our lives so that others can see and know, and maybe that one day we have the opportunity to share the gospel message of what Christ is doing in our hearts with someone else. See, these good deeds are about letting your light shine for others to see. It's about doing those things that honor and glorify God and validate your faith, and it's not about one more thing to do, but it's about finding greater purpose in what you're already doing, where you're living, where you're working, for the name of Jesus Christ. Good deeds can change people. And and, and when people start changing, communities start changing. And so what do good deeds do? One last thing, good deeds create goodwill in the city. Good deeds can create goodwill in this city. You know, the, the people of Genesis Church rising up together and loving others for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ and churches in this community partnering together and serving together we can create goodwill in this city. You know, a a church committed to the good news and good deeds can change communities and and create goodwill in so many places. I've seen this, you know, we've got some great churches in our community that are doing great work in this right now. I see this uh, in my dad's church. My dad serves a church in central Illinois, and uh, that's a a church in a small community, but just some of the things that they're doing and how they're reaching out is just opening others up to the possibilities that they're looking to the church and saying, wow, we're so glad they're here. See, I believe that the people of our community are open and ready for the gospel, but they are desperate for a gospel that they can see and hear to. I mean, we need to model Jesus, to be like him, to live like him. We need to be out with our neighbors and out in the community. And when it gets nice, living in the front yard and not the backyard, but connecting with people through acts of love and good deeds while connecting them to the God of amazing grace, too. And that's good news. You know, one last story. Uh, Every week, uh, several women uh, from Genesis Church, along with others from other churches, uh, gather to pray uh, for one of our local elementary schools. And they've been doing this uh, for several years now. But just this past year, uh, some exciting things are really starting to happen. And they're seeing some work like they've never seen before. And at the parent-teacher days, uh, at the beginning of the school year, they were able to set up a table uh, and let people, let teachers, let parents know they are and will be praying, uh, that they're available. They were invited into uh, this elementary school's all-staff meeting to share with the, the teachers and the faculty about what they do and how they pray. And, and they now have opportunities to pray for these teachers and staff and families and students. And some of the teachers have now started emailing prayer requests. Uh, to these women throughout the year, and well, 
there are just over and over again these opportunities popping up for these women to have spiritual conversations with people in the school. Now, you might hear something like this and think to yourself, public school? Are you kidding me? Like, like that would never happen in my school. I mean, our, our, our principal would never be open to something like that. It's pretty closed off. Well, I got to tell you, that's kind of how it started with this school too. And so what made it happen? What opened these doors? It's prayer, no doubt, that is changing things. And these women, they've prayed a lot. But can I also tell you what they've done? They've made a lot of copies. Uh, they've hosted a number of Valentine's Day parties and spent a lot of time tutoring with kids and reading to them. And they've cut a bunch of snowflakes and they've given hours and hours and hours of time and serving, and slowly it's beginning to make all of the difference. And imagine a church. Imagine the churches of this community. Imagine you and me, everyone living this way. We'll just call it living with our eyes open, being rich in good deeds, not just in Haiti, not just in Indianapolis, not just through mission trips, but right where God has you, a life of good deeds and good news and how they so perfectly and powerfully go hand in hand. What's it for you? The Apostle Paul says the secret to being rich is to do good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And then in verse 19, and we didn't spend much time with this verse, but I'll close with this. Paul concludes by saying, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul basically says, do these things and take hold of the life that is truly life, both now and in eternity. It's a life that matters. It's a life of significance. It's a life that counts. I just pray that good deeds will flow from your heart more and more. Uh, giving you, giving me the opportunity to share our faith in Jesus Christ with others. I'm going to ask you to pray today. Just ask God to increase your passion for him and your living for him. And whatever he commands you to do, go do it. Do it obediently and do it faithfully for the name of Jesus. Let's pray. We've talked about a bunch uh, over the last few weeks. We've talked about uh, generosity through our giving, through our financial resources. We've talked about the importance of sharing and compassion and loving others and the uh, importance of being in relationships with one another. Today we talk about these good deeds and what it means to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. And, and so I just want to ask you today, what, what's the Lord prompting you to do? What's the next step for you? And maybe it has everything to do with living intentionally and faithfully and obediently as it has to do with good deeds and opportunities that the Lord puts in front of you today or tomorrow or this week. And so maybe you want to pray and ask God to give you the faith to do that. Maybe it has something to do with generosity right now or maybe it's in sharing and your relationship with others. Maybe just take a moment and just ask God to give you the faith to take whatever steps you need to take from here.
maybe take a moment and ask God to grow your heart because authentic good deeds flow from a good heart. And so ask God to change your heart, to increase your love for him, uh, to grow your hunger and your thirst for your relationship with him. Father in heaven, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And I thank you, Lord, for what that's doing in my life and in our lives and in our church and the message that you've commanded us to share. And and Lord, we don't want to look over the importance of sharing those words because it's easy to forget the importance of the spoken word. But God, I pray that you would move in us to be people who love you and to live that out in our actions and with our deeds so that others might be able to see the power of the good news at work in us and through us and that we would always be ready and prepared to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people of this church and their passion and their love and their desire to follow you. And that's what we're here to do, Lord. We're here to say that we want to follow you and we believe that you are the hope of this world. And so give us the faith to believe it and live it and to share it, whatever you call us to do. And it's for your glory and about making your name famous. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.